0: this is the commercial property show Australia show number 47 could be sitting in your home office and then you could be connected into the metaverse and you would be in a virtual room and you would look and feel like you're actually physically there with everyone around you and you could literally like hear things differently from like behind you on different left and right you could feel touch Hey, commercial property community. Thanks for joining me. My name is Andrew Bean. You are listening to the number one commercial property podcast in Australia, The Commercial Property Show. And on today's show, Chris Lang returns to talk about the seismic shift that is happening in the CBD office space. What type of office assets are in demand, what you need to look for, what the big changes are and the future of, of vacancy. But first, if you're struggling to figure out if that industrial investment that you're looking at is being sold at a fair cap rate, or the rate per square meter is to market, or how many new leases have actually been written in the last month, and you just want to understand the supply and demand of a market, then check out CP data. That's commercial property data dot com dot au the only platform that breaks down commercial property data sector by sector for you the investor to make informed decisions that are backed with solid data that's www.commercialpropertydata.com.au. dot au check out our free membership today Investing in commercial property is a lot like a team sport. You need a lot of good players around you to complete a property transaction. No one can do it alone. If you're like me and want to surround yourself with like-minded people who have similar property goals, people who motivate you and push you to achieve more, then come and join the commercial property community today. You can find our private group on Facebook by searching Commercial Property Show Community or you can click on the link in the show notes. Our expert guests are just waiting to answer your questions in the forum and together we can help each other reach the ultimate goal of financial freedom. Our next guest is none other than Chris Lang. How are you, mate? Hey, good.
1: Good to be back with you.
0: So, mate, how's the deal flow going in Melbourne now? Are you seeing a lot more quality deals come across your desk? Yeah, the
1: stock was pretty short over the pandemic, but i managed to obtain a few good deals for clients. I mean, I I find when when people are confused, they tend to do nothing, and that quite often creates opportunities. And while vendors might have been a bit coy, those that had to sell – We're glad to have someone to talk to. And so, as I said, I, over the last 12, 18 months, have helped a couple of my clients position themselves pretty well.
0: All right, mate. So today we are going to have a chat about the seismic shift taking place in the CBD office sector. So is a seismic shift actually happening, Chris, or is it just a fad? I think hot
1: desking was a fad which is what a lot of cbd officers did where they kept reducing the amount of floor space available to relative to their number of staff employed and so i mean you turn up and you wouldn't even know whether you which desk was which you just had a locker and each night you cleared your desk and put everything in there i think it was more driven by the financial controllers i never understood it and i don't think the people they didn't complain because they want to keep their job but it never really worked and what this has done is shown both employers and employees they don't have to be boxed together they can happily work from home in fact i think there was a recent oecd research paper done which showed that 70 percent of knowledge workers would like to continue in some form to work remotely
0: so, I guess this working from home movement it is quite a large movement and it is going to stay. So, have you heard of any large companies actually moving forward with this, like reducing the envelope of how many office spaces they have and reducing their square meterage?
1: Well, not really. I mean, it's Sydney and Melbourne have been slow to return to their offices because they both had longer lockdowns than the other states. And just in Melbourne here, there's been a number of companies that have relocated out of the CBD to near suburbs like Richmond or Cremorne, companies like Domain, Seek, Uber, Tesla, MYOB, Disney and Bunnings, they've all located so that it's more to do with the commute time. Now, a number of other firms have already begun decanting whole apartments out into the suburbs to address that which is the biggest complaint and that is the the amount of time night and morning that they have to spend commuting to and from the office so yes there's already been some changes but and I suspect it's not just Melbourne it's, it would be happening in Sydney and Brisbane as
0: well. Yeah I mean so it's just, it could be quite a big problem in future with all this vacant office space around in the CBDs. People are obviously seem to be now wanting to have the option and flexibility of working from home at least one or two days a week. What role are startups playing in this move? And I'm sure they they must be setting the pace a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, look, I think probably significant is the answer. With the choice now for working from home or at least in a co-working environment, which is seems to be emerging as a, an alternative, many entrepreneurial types are looking to branch out and create their own lifestyle workplace
0: and so what type of businesses are predominantly feeling the effects from this kind of movement chris
1: probably service companies and it businesses they're certainly exploring various options with their staff obviously that won't apply to retailers because you have to physically be there in the premises
0: and how do you think this will affect destination retailers who actually rely still rely on foot traffic
1: Well, I think that's going to create a bit of an issue. I mean, if particularly in the CBD, if if they unless the occupancy rate of CBD offices returns to somewhere around 80 to 90 percent of pre pandemic levels, retailers are going to be severely affected.
0: And what kind of demographic is really driving the working from home movement? Like, like, uh, what kind of age brackets?
1: Anecdotal evidence would suggest that it's mainly the 30 to 40 year age bracket, whereas those under the age of 30 seem rather keen to return to the office and re-establish their interaction with friends and colleagues. Many employees over the age of 40 looking to have a, a hybrid arrangement, perhaps only working two or three days in the office and it's more mainly they've gotten used to spending time with family and they want to continue that.
0: So I guess it's more of like I'm in this bracket where the young family I'd I'd like to be spending a little bit more time with them and I don't really want to be commuting too far but I still want to get work done.
1: They're the ones that are probably most likely to want to continue.
0: And how do you think this is going to change like the benefit for the employer? How, How does the employer benefit from this?
1: While some firms are setting up satellite offices in the suburbs, others are entering entering into, as I said, arrangement with co-working firms. I mean, it used to be serviced offices, but that was sort of a more or less a permanent arrangement. Co-working is where you can do it on a more itinerant arrangement. But firms are are making commitments so that their staff can – it enables their staff to have a a network of locations – around the metropolitan area but also interstate if they travel and they just simply plug in their computer, log into the head office network and it's like they're working in the office as it were. But one of the unexpected benefits for employers may actually be a widened talent pool from which to choose in as much as that because they're going to have more more people to to choose from who are aligning themselves with this style of of work going forward.
0: And so do you propose that larger companies are going to be setting up multiple smaller little suburban offices that basically the the employer can go to any one of those little hubs and still be connected to everyone? Well,
1: no, it won't be the office the head office that'll do that. This is where they log into you have an arrangement with something like WeWork or HubSpot or someone like that, that they have offices around the Melbourne metropolitan area, but by paying a monthly fee, their staff can go in there for a certain number of hours each, each month, and it doesn't matter which office they go to. But the head office itself, the only ones would be those that set up their own satellite office in the general suburb. I mean, if you're in Melbourne, you may remember, but Back in the nineteen eighties, Qantas moved out of the C B D to the Campbell World Junction. Everyone thought they were crazy. But they did their survey and two thirds of their staff were females in the thirty to forty range year range and because they wanted to and they lived in that area. So it, it, for them it was instead of being a sort of half hour, three quarter hour drive each day, it was more like ten minutes to the office. Many of them could actually walk there, but they could drop the kids off to school with there's a lot of private schools around the area where they lived and then go to the office. So, again, it was a lifestyle thing probably well before its time, but that'll happen for individual firms if they wanted to decant departments out that are serviced by their staff living in a particular area. But otherwise, it's the co-working arrangement that'll probably be preferred.
0: Yeah, fair enough. So do you think from now on, the worker, like when they're looking for a job, part of what they're looking for is that flexible arrangement? Do you think it's here to stay that someone always wants that?
1: I think it will probably at least one day, but more likely two or three days a week is what they'll want to do remotely. And rather than run the risk of losing staff, even some large legal and accounting firms are already encouraging their staff to do this. Besides, much of their consulting work is done over the phone or by email anyway, and it's quite amazing now that how many professionals are happy to give out their mobile number to clients and thereby actually creating a much more intimate relationship, and it's something you haven't seen before.
0: It's quite interesting. I pulled some stats from CP data before this. The current amount of jobs that are available for working from home are 8,167 total jobs available on the Australian market at the moment. And that actually represents a little over three percent of the total available jobs in Australia. So this is pretty crazy. Like three percent is actually quite a lot of total amount of jobs in Australia to be have the option of working from home. And then furthermore to that over 3,000 of those jobs were actually over $100,000 in, in salary. So there's quite a good opportunity there if you want to actually just work from home.
1: Yeah, look, it doesn't suit everyone. You've got to be self-motivated. There are some people I know that just couldn't wait to get back to the office because they, they need someone to set the agenda for them each day. They find it hard to, to uh, motivate themselves. So it, it doesn't work for everyone, but knowledge workers... IT, all that sort of stuff. A lot of them are loners anyway, and it probably suits both them and their employer.
0: Yeah, I think what what you're proposing, it'll be something that workers want to have, but they don't want to necessarily always be full time. So as you said, one or two days a week, bare minimum, you might want to work from home, but then you still need that human interaction coming in and even just getting away from your working at home space and getting some More quiet time to actually do your deep work at the office, and then going back and forth. I think the balance is there. There needs to be that balance.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Have you uh, reconsidered your preferred sector to invest now? The working from home movement is set to stay.
1: Well, not really. I think CBD offices will take take a while to get back there. I mean, the CBD office sector is not dead, but the suburban office seems to be the one that's growing I mean industrial at the moment is a bit frothy all along the east coast mainly because of the surge in online shopping at the logistics and storage facilities are in hot demand and, and yields in and industrial property is firm but I think both with startups quite often a startup will, will be in a co-working environment but they then say look no we're We really want our own dedicated space. We'll just lease a small strata title office in the suburbs near where we live. So I see the demand for a suburban office to be where I would want to have my money invested.
0: So for the listeners that may not have heard speak about this in a previous episode, Chris, what's your investment preference per sector? In order? Yeah, in order.
1: Uh, It would be suburban offices, industrial if you, you can buy right and retailers are a distant third.
0: Perfect. So now that the working from home movement is here to stay, do you think that will uh, have a big effect on, say, your coastal kind of regions? It already is
1: having an effect. I mean, if you're working from home, it doesn't really matter whether you're in Hawthorne or Queenscliff or Manly or Byron Bay, and there's no question that the extended lockdowns have caused a surge in home buyer activity in most coastal regions because people realize now they don't have to be in the office
0: and so obviously if there's more people moving to those coastal kind of towns there's going to be um, more money in that circulation there which will bring more economic stimulus and then retailers cafes things like that will follow is that what you're alluding to
1: yeah i think so but i mean some of them have gone and bought there others Holiday there and have now said well maybe let's let's reverse what we do let's instead of living in melbourne and holidaying near the coast why don't we live in the coast and just have a, a bolt hole in the city where if we have to go up you know to go to the head office near the cbd or in the cbd they go up there stay a couple of nights and then return back to the coastal area
0: and so what type of office assets do you think will benefit the most from this movement
1: I'm not sure I quite understand the question.
0: So, I mean, in terms of like office assets, I think we've already touched on it a little bit before. Is you mentioned suburban office over the CBD office? Is so suburban office is firmly the basically the type of office asset that you think will benefit the most from this working from home movement?
1: Yeah, I, I do. And the the type of office that will pay, developers will now or should now be considering is something that has a lot of environmental Qualities to it, both in sort of greenery and a feeling of spaciousness, and it's it's not entirely climate driven, but just uh, people have gotten out of the habit of the sort of chook pen type of setup in an office and experience. Even though it was at home, some of them are, are now wanting to. It's not so much working at home as working remotely, because working at home for some people is difficult. It, you get unwanted interruptions both from kids and from just general the fact you might be working off a kitchen table or something and, and not very convenient and so they want perhaps a little more structure but they don't want to go spend an, uh, three quarters of an hour an hour driving to the head office to do it and that's where these co-working spaces come in so yes I think the suburban area and office area both for co-working operators but also for people that want to be close to home but don't want to have to have a long drive to get to the office
0: and so if you're considering purchasing a suburban office what are the main things to look for Um, say it was an older office it doesn't have the green spaces now but what are the main characteristics of a suburban office that someone should be identifying before they purchase
1: well i think many firms are seeking out suburban locations that are close to shops child care, schools, gyms, and things like that, that are allowing staff to fashion a more appealing daily routine while avoiding the long commute into the head office. That seems to be the system, the um, formula.
0: So it sounds like it just needs to be a better for lifestyle. You know, you want to be able to go to work, and then you also want to be able to just step out two minutes away. You've got your, your shops possibly got the gym and then a short drive home.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's a lifestyle thing.
0: So, mate, the, the vacant CBD office space, what are some alternative uses that can be, that we can actually change these office spaces to still make them something that we can invest in?
1: Well, look, at the moment, people slow slowly return to offices in both Sydney and Melbourne, as I said. And while some might continue to work partly from home, smaller staff office offices, staff numbers in the offices will will actually need to spread out and that's to comply with social distancing requirements. So yes, there might be 20% less staff, but the 80% are there, they're going to want 20% more area. Plus staff are going to demand more communal spaces, breakout areas, rather than to accept the overcrowded hot desking arrangement that was existing before COVID. So I'm not really expecting an overwhelming need to change the current use to anything other than office. I mean, there may be the odd older building that needs to be converted, maybe into residential, but all the main offices that are sort of premier and certainly A-class, which is a large proportion of the CBDs, it'll just be a rearrangement, refurbishment, freshening up of the offices to make it more appealing to their staff. Yes, it might take 12, 18 months before it's fully functional, but I don't think you're going to find many companies are going to be shedding all that much space.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's for companies, I guess, that are already in tenancy. But what about the vacant space? Like, I pulled some stats from CP data about uh, vacant properties per capital city. So in Sydney, there was over 2,000. Melbourne, there's over 4,000 vacant office spaces. Brisbane, there's over 3,000. Adelaide nine hundred over nine hundred, Perth over a th- oh, seventeen hundred, Canberra six hundred, Hobart seventy, Darwin two hundred. So in Melbourne, you know they're the clear winner with over four thousand properties vacant. And what are we going to do with these spaces, Chris? You know there must be some alternate use other than just spreading out in the office space.
1: Yeah, but there's a difference between unby unoccupied and not under lease. Mm. I think the figures you're talking about, properties that there are firms, major legal and accounting firms that I would say they they might have 10 floors and there might be two or three that are currently unoccupied. I agree with you, but they're reluctant to give those up because last year when everyone thought things were right, people started coming back to the offices. Then they had to turn them away again once the lockdown came in the last wave, but I believe you're going to see in the new year a lot of that space taken up. And I don't think you're going to have the same position that you're quoting now continue probably much further than the middle of next year. Yes, there will be some vacancies. But the thing is that both Sydney and Melbourne, the vacancy rates were down around about two and a half, three percent, which is unhealthy. I mean, you need a vacancy rate of six to eight percent to have a stable market so people can easily. Will legitimately expand and contract and move and what have you. Yes, the vacancy rates now, I think are up around eight to ten percent in Melbourne and Sydney. But as I said, I suspect once people start coming back to the the workplace, you're going to see that fall back into the normal band of six to eight percent rather than eight to ten percent.
0: These statistics are from one hundred percent vacant no lease at all on these properties. But yeah, that'd be good. I mean, there's nothing worse than seeing a lot of vacant space just sitting around doing nothing and not having an alternate use. Like, you know, I was thinking possibly a lot of these spaces, especially in the high rise towers, could potentially be turned into a residential units, possibly, if the zoning permitted.
1: Well, the zoning does permit it because it's a, uh, the CBD zoning allows all matter, manner of uses, I mean, obviously not industrial, but mixed uses. But the problem you've got is that, let's say, you've got a a 50-storey building and you've got 10 floors vacant. It's very hard to turn those 10 floors into residential. It's not until you can get control of the whole building that you can completely restructure things because it it needs a, a totally different set-up as far as air conditioning. You've got to have dedicated lifts. There's a whole ambit of variations that you need. So it's not until you get control of the whole building that you can make the changes required to convert it into residential that would be acceptable so it's not quite as easy as you might imagine
0: i imagine that it's not very easy yum I mean, you know i do think that it's going to be a little bit of a problem in future but i hope i'm wrong i hope all of the space gets taken up and you know everything's good as gold so mate does this seismic shift concern you at all not really look When there are
1: major changes like we've just been through, you find strategic opportunities always emerge, and that's where the smart investors are able to capitalise. And look, you're right. I mean, unless you're a major institution, you're probably not going to be investing in the CBD at the moment. There will be exceptions, but as a general strategy. But that doesn't mean there aren't opportunities emerging in the suburbs. And it's just being alert to those and and having someone that can guide you and and give you access to those opportunities.
0: yeah, fair enough. Have you ah uh, did you see that uh, Facebook changed their name to Meta? Yeah so and there, have you, did you see what they're predicting about the future of like what working will look like in the future with the Metaverse? Well,
1: I read part of it, but sometimes they get a bit ahead of themselves
0: yeah i mean i I think it's like a, a five ten year you know plan roadmap but from what there's a really good uh video on youtube um of the whole presentation i mean pretty much what they were describing is you could be sitting in your home office and then you could be connected into the metaverse and you would be in a virtual room and you would look and feel like you're actually physically there with everyone around you and you could literally like you could hear things differently from like behind you on different left and right. You could feel touch. It was quite quite amazing what they were predicting or what they're trying to achieve.
1: I think it's a fair way off. But I mean, it sounds interesting, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they can pull that off right and you can literally be in your home, but you could physically feel like you're at the office with a whole office environment do you think that has a chance to really disrupt the office sector as we know it?
1: Yeah, potentially. But then, I remember when they bought out videos and DVDs, they said the theatre industry would collapse. It hasn't. It's probably gone. Apart from the pandemic issues, it's probably gone from you know, the cinemas as strength to strength. They've opened more and more cinemas. I and mean, you only have to go to regional shopping centres, and you know the major ones have all got their own. Cinema outlets and so forth. So the market has a wonderful way of adapting, and new things will emerge. I mean, who would have thought of co-working spaces coming into their own? You know, but they have because the pandemic caused it.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, who would have thought that majority of people are going to want to be working from home two or three days a week from now on? Like, it is quite interesting how these like events can change the whole shift in human behavior
1: well exactly as i said before who would have thought lawyers would be handing out their mobile numbers Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well i'm sure it's uh it's it's beneficial for a lawyer to do that because the more that the your your customer or client calls you the more they can charge you (laughs) all right mate so you have a a link that you want to share with us to an investor guide is that right
1: well, yeah, I was just thinking if, if any of your listeners uh, would be interested, I've got a free investor guide which they can um, download and have, and as I said, it is free. If they want to progress to anything else that I offer, that's entirely up to them, but I just thought that might be of interest.
0: Perfect, mate. So where can the listeners go to find the link or find your website?
1: Well, look, I'll send you the link if you like, and you can put it up under the um, this episode.
0: Sounds good, mate. Today's guest has been Chris Lang. Cheers, buddy.
1: All the best. Data don't lie. lie. Data don't lie.
0: Dada, don't lie. Dada, don't lie. That's right. In this segment, I'm going to share the information and data from CP Data, the newest commercial property platform on the market. So I'm going to share one location, good or bad, and give you a true reflection of what the numbers are saying about that market. All right. This week's location is... Mackay, yes, Mackay in Queensland. Interesting location. Mackay is one of the largest exporters of sugarcane and coal as well. They have a huge port up there. I haven't been there before, but it, I think it's a really, really nice place to actually go and visit. It yeah, it just looks really nice. All right, let's get into the data now. We have November data available now. Uh, fresh November data. right, so in the retail sector, there were three transactions. There was 37 for sale, and the listed stock on hand is 19.5%. In the office market, there was four sales transactions, 30 for sale, and 10.7% is the listed stock on hand. In the industrial sector, there were three sales transactions, uh, 46 properties for sale, and the listed stock on hand is 19.1%. So a fair bit of stock there, Um, but sales transactions are happening. And if you want to get the cap rates for Makai, then you will have to uh, purchase a subscription. All right, moving over into the leasing data. So in Makai for the retail, there were four new leases written. And there are 111 for lease in November. So it's a fair bit of stock. And the listed vacancy is, uh, as you would expect, it's about 58.4%. So there's a fair bit of vacancy in the retail sector there. In office, there were six new leases written in November, 149 for lease. And again, high listed vacancy at 53.2% moving to industrial there were five new leases written in industrial for lease there was 68 properties for lease and the listed vacancy is lower but it's still a little bit high 28.2 percent and if you want to get a rate per square meter guide then jump onto cp data and purchase a subscription all right moving on to the employment data Population for Mackay is over 125,000. Total jobs available in Mackay in November, 1,136. That's very, very encouraging. There are a couple of mines up there, coal mines that I believe are probably driving a lot of jobs into that area. There were 375 high-income jobs. That's 100K plus jobs, so that's pretty good. Um, So that represents 33% of the jobs available in Mackay are high income jobs. And that brings us to the end of Data Don't Lie. This week's location was Mackay. And if you would like to check out the data for the location that you're looking at investing in, go to www.commercialpropertydata.com com. AU There's over eighty plus locations tracked with plenty of data for you to make informed decisions and stop investing in the dark. That's www.commercialpropertydata.com.au. property AU. Check out our free memberships today. All right, that is the end of our show. Thank you to Chris Lang and Kevin McLeod. For the music and remember, in the words of Grant Cardone, rich people don't get rich by accident and poor people don't stay poor by accident. I'm Andrew Bean, signing off. This has been a Developer Life production.